0: i
1: I'm the only, oh, look all the hands go up. And I know at home, if they're watching those hands are going up as well.
0: As I prepared for this message, I came across an interesting piece of information that I did not know. I'd never heard of this. The nation of Finland has a wonderful Christmas tradition. It has happened every year, get this, since the 1300s. That's about 700 years they've done this Christmas tradition. It is called the Declaration of Christmas Peace. And it happens each year at noon on Christmas Eve. The Christmas Peace is declared in the city of Turco. And the proclamation is usually read by a city official from the balcony of a historic mansion located at the center of town in the old great square. Now the proclamation is broadcast over TV and radio and now live-streamed over the Internet. It serves as a reminder and encouragement to spend the holiday in harmony and to threaten offenders with harsh punishment and, of course, to wish everyone a very Merry Christmas. This is how. The proclamation reads as follows, quote, Tomorrow... God willing, is the grateful celebration of the birth of our Lord and Savior, and thus is declared a peaceful Christmas time to all, by advising devotion and to behave otherwise quietly and peacefully, because he who breaks this peace and violates the peace of Christmas by any illegal or improper behavior shall, under aggravating circumstances, Be guilty and punished according to the law and statutes prescribed for each and every offense separately. Wow. And finally, a joyous Christmas feast is wished to all the inhabitants of the city. (laughs) You better not mess with their piece of Christmas. They tell you right up front, if you do anything illegal, you disrupt it, you're going to be persecuted up to the limit of the law. And this proclamation has gone out since the 1300s. About 700 years or more this has been going on. I wonder what happened here in the United States if we tried such a thing. Just, just shooting off my hip. The President of the United States came on Christmas Day at noon and said, this is the declaration of Christmas peace.
1: What do you think would happen?
0: Okay. <laughs> But it is a great way to usher in Christmas, is it not? With a reminder of Christ coming and the, that he, the peace that He brings into the world. And today, as we continue our series about rediscovering Christmas, we are going to rediscover the the peace that Christmas brings, the Advent brings. And of course, we're going to look at our text, Luke chapter two, verses eight through twenty. And we'll look at the shepherds and the peace restored. So let's look at the text together. Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And the angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold... I bring you good good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger, or literally a feeding trough. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. When the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, Let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. When they had seen this, They had made known the statement which had been told them about this child. All who'd heard it wondered at these things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. The shepherds went back glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, just as had been told them. You've heard this so many times before. I remember as a kid hearing this on TV. You remember when you used to hear this passage on TV? Quoted, almost, I think, pervade Come on, man, Charlie Brown Christmas. Linus, because Charlie asked him, what is Christmas is all about? And Linus quotes this in that special, word for word. He tells Charlie Brown, this is what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. But, you know, long before TV was ever imagined, Long before it was a great moment in television history, it was and still is a God-breathed text for us to look back on and see how Jesus came to earth. It's an announcement of a huge awaited event that happened in such an unexpected way. Think about this now. Think in your mind. In the middle of a dark and ordinary night in Bethlehem countryside, an angel appears in the sky. If that wasn't enough, then he is joined by a sky full of angels. The New Living Translation calls them the armies of heaven. The New American Standard Watch read out of says a multitude. So the sky was full of these angels. Could you imagine such a sight? What a glorious sight that must have been for the shepherds. But how about the sound? Do you ever think about this? How about the sound? These credible angels are praising God, probably singing and declaring glory to God in heaven and peace on earth for humanity. What language or languages were they speaking in? What was the harmony and the melody? How loud was it? Could anyone else hear it? Put yourself in the shoes of those shepherds. In the middle of the night, so here, and I want you to do this, this: when you go home and it gets dark right around four thirty now, about five o'clock, go outside and imagine all of a sudden an angel shows up and announces this birth to you, and then a the whole sky is full of these angels. Now, when you think about that, it naturally occurs to us as human beings that the audience for this must have been someone real special for this grand announcement and this amazing angelic show. must have been some type of VIPs. The rich, the famous, and the powerful. The kings, the queens, the movers, and the shakers must have been the attended audience for this big, huge announcement. But we just read the text. That's not who the audience was. It was shepherds. The completely ordinary, average Joe, night shift working animal tenders who were the unlikely and unexpected recipients of this message of peace and God's favor. This is yet another scene that we come across when we read the Bible. That God flips the script on its head. What I mean by that, because... This is exactly opposite what we would do if we were planning and expecting this big announcement to come. If it were up to us to save the earth, who do we announce it to? Think of the shepherds sitting in that field. Think of the huge palaces that Herod had built. By the way, Herod was really, he was scared about losing power. That's a whole study in itself, but these huge palaces Places that represented power and wealth. And yet, our Lord and Savior was born in a manger, literally in a feeding trough where He lay. The King of kings and Lord of lords in the shadow of all those places. It makes me appreciate how the Jewish people would say, this cannot be the Messiah. This can't be the Messiah who's going to lead us out of of bondage. How can this be? But God always takes the ordinary to do the extraordinary stuff with. Now after reading this, we ask ourselves, well, why shepherds? Why these completely unexpecting and unassuming guys? Perhaps, maybe, it's because the shepherds actually tie many biblical threads together. For example, The shepherds remind us that the patriarchs of Israel were shepherds. Nomadic animal tenders, the roaming ranchers of the ancient world, if it were. Abraham was the original recipient that God would bless the nations of the world back in Genesis 12. And that promise was carried on through Abraham's descendants, Isaac, Jacob, and beyond. King David which is considered one of the greatest kings that ever ruled over Israel, was first was a shepherd. Go back and read that story, I believe, in 1 Samuel. Samuel goes out looking for the next king. God sends him out, and he goes to Jesse's house, which is David's father. And all these big, kind of brawny-looking guys that you consider a powerful king would come before him, and he asks Jesse, do you have anybody else? Because God says, that's not him, that's not him. I got my teenage boy out here watching sheep. You can almost hear the collective laughter.
1: Well, what's David going to do? And that's when the Lord says, man looks on the outside. I'll look what's in the heart. The shepherds were the everyday man. They
0: were nothing special to them. They had no entitlement. There was no pride or arrogance, no religious bloating. They fit right into the process of introducing God's Messiah. A humble carpenter and a peasant girl as parents for the Son of Man. Born in a lowly stable, surrounded by animals. Ladies, can you imagine giving birth in a stable? By the looks of that, I would say no. Rough and rugged shepherds out in the fields on the edge of the more refined civilization. They were the have-nots. Examples of God raising and using the humble and turning the world as we know it on its head. Those who were considered to be the most high, the most holy, were not given a place in the stable to take a knee on holy ground and witness the arrival of the Messiah. These shepherds also signify Jesus' future ministry and teaching. Sheep might have been looked upon as lowly animals, but in Jewish culture, sheep, were very precious the passover lamb very important remember the passover they would celebrate that's when they had to kill the lamb and put the blood on the doorposts for the last plague of egypt when the angel of death, but the angel of death would pass over if they had that blood so sheep are very important that was the most important holiday for them when they would slaughter the the perfect lamb without any splot without any blemish that cost had to be paid for that angel to pass over. And that still had to be done, still up to this point, to restore a person with God. And each time this sacrifice was done, it was a reminder of the original Passover and God's rescue and the exodus of His people from Egypt. Now, we know that Jesus came into our world to fulfill His identity as the Lamb of God who came to take away the sin of the world. He was the ultimate sacrifice and payment for our own sins. His death did away with the sacrificial lambs. And His resurrection makes it possible for us to be fully restored in our relationship to God. Jesus' life made it possible to experience true peace. and the Hebrew, shalom. Shalom means more than this peace. It means a complete peace wholeness, everything in your life to be peaceful, your work, your relationships, to be at
1: peace. He makes it possible for us to have that. And if you look in the letters of Paul,
0: grace and peace, you know he would say that? You can't have true completeness and wholeness, this peace, away from the grace of God. That's when you read the letters of Paul. Grace and peace. Maybe we should be saying that more often to each other. Grace and peace to you and our Lord Jesus Christ. May you experience the grace, the unconditional love, the favor of God. And as you experience that, may you also experience His peace that passes all understanding, all comprehension in the Greek, literally, mind. Anything you can this peace passes anything we can possibly
1: think of, anything we could comprehend He also made it possible to restore the completeness of God's
0: original creation. You realize everything's going to be put right one day. A fallen man brought on the curse of the ground by the sweat of your brow. You'll eat. He told Adam. Ladies, the pain of childbirth result, but all that will be done away with. It's probably, probably partly for all these reasons that God sent his angelical messengers to announce the birth of his son to shepherds. If it does nothing else, it should remind us that God's favor is not based on any human standard, his favor is on all those who humbly acknowledge their brokenness, and accept the gifts of hope, peace, joy, and love that Jesus brings. Peace is not based on our class or position or occupation, but on God's purpose and design to bring the good news that will cause great joy for all the people. And that's where we see the story, this great event being announced to shepherds. These shepherds lead us into several insights about our own intersection with God's peace. First off, peace comes in the midst of our storms. Peace comes in the midst of our storms. Now, we live here in north central Texas, but I want to ask you this question. Have you ever experienced a hurricane? Perhaps you experienced a tornado once in a while around here, but have you ever experienced a hurricane? You ever lived through the eye of the hurricane now i've heard it's a very eerie experience you've seen it on the weather radar and at the center of a circling storm there is truly a stillness right in the center of it the winds are calm the rain cease it's a pause in the storm and there is a picture actually taken of an eye of a hurricane from one of those aircraft that yes sign me up for that job i'm gonna take this plane and drive it purposely right into a hurricane ah yeah i'll take that job but that's what it looks like. Now the storm is around, but look, the sun is shining. The winds are calm right there in the eye. But it's temporary. It doesn't last. And as soon as the eye passes, the winds start to howl again, but this time in the opposite direction because the, winds go the storm goes a circular direction. It's kind of like those freeze frame moments in a movie. You ever seen those movies where everything just slows down to one tiny moment of reality? While the life and the chaos or catastrophe happens all around a character, it's like a brief moment, millisecond
1: of clarity or pause. So using that as illustration, let me ask you this. How is your Christmas season going so far? How does
0: your Christmas season typically go? Now, if we're honest with God and honest with each other and honest with ourselves, we might choose words like busy, hectic, or frantic to describe our lives this time of year, and especially in 2020. Trying to do shopping and getting gifts and all, getting the ship everywhere. Everything, I don't think I'm wrong saying this, but it's almost like everything's changed, hasn't it? Everything we thought was normal, routine,
1: all that has changed to some degree. So what's your Christmas season been like this year?
0: Maybe it's an overloaded schedule that's robbing you of peace. Here's the best advice I got from one of my professors at seminary. Tim, you got to learn to say, no,
1: I can't do that. You have to make time for yourself. For your spouse for your kids for your family
0: but sometimes we just overload and it was amazing to me we have all these new inventions we have a microwave i remember when the microwave first came out we maybe cooked maybe five pounds of bacon in one day we said oh that's cool let's put another pound we kept doing it oh come on look at me like that you probably did it too how about popcorn in other words we can cook stuff like this we can jump on an airplane and go around the world in a day. Granted, you'll have a lot of jet lag, but you can do it. We have washing machines and dryers and dishwashers. We have cars, all those things that make life, quote, simple, unquote. But yet, we still don't have enough time. You know what we do? Oh, I can save time doing dishes now so I can schedule something else. We, we overload ourselves. So, possibly that's what's robbing you of peace. But maybe it's something more like a relational conflict or pressure at work. Maybe a lost job or an illness. You name it. Like I said this a minute ago, this year, 2020, there's plenty of things to think of that might be robbing you of the peace of Christmas this year. Now, for many of us, peace sounds like a, a good idea, but it's still a long way off. It's a nice thought during the holiday season, but something we can never grasp a hold of. If this is where you find yourself today, I want to encourage you that Jesus shows up when the storms of life threaten our peace, hope, love, and joy. He is with us when everything seems lost and the way forward is totally unclear to us. Think about this. Go back to the story you just read about. In the middle of a world turned upside down for a young Jewish couple who have found themselves at the center of cosmic events, while at the same time trying to navigate the normal life of responsibilities of paying their dues by traveling by foot across the country to be counted by the government. Having to experience childbirth for the first time far away from home without the support and care of midwives and other women who have guided Mary through this process. Ladies, can you imagine? The text tells us she was great with child. She was about to give birth. They couldn't find any room at any end for her. I can hear that conversation. Now, this is not in Scripture, by the way. Joseph, I told you, if you make reservations, we would have a place to stay, but you didn't listen to me. Okay, no one. Let's move on.
1: But they couldn't find any place. And ladies, could you imagine being in her shoes?
0: Being first time parents, not only with the joys and wonder and fear responsibility of their first son, but this is not just an ordinary son, this is God's
1: son. And you think it's hard becoming new parents now in the middle of a stable, having her firstborn son. It's all these circumstances and struggles where God shows up. He was there with them, literally. Emmanuel, God with us.
0: We don't really, if you're like me, sometimes we read this story and we just kind of skip over the tiny details. I mean, you ever really think about the shepherd sitting there? And all of a sudden, an angel shows up, and then you know, a bunch of angels show up, and they start praising God. What a sight that must have been! And then going and traveling by foot and giving birth to their first son. And all the—I remember when my first daughter was born. People around Bowie, Nora's Ashley, but her middle name was Brooks. Always called her Brooke. And for the first two, three days of her life, she had to spend it in neonatal intensive care. But she came back, and so it was kind of neat. I would spend time with Tammy, go down, and the nurse would help me change her and give her a bottle, and then I'd put her back, and I'd go back and do my thing, all right? But I'll never forget the time they wheeled her in for the first time. I go, like, hey, she's yours! Where's the manual? Where's the instruction manual? I was just, I was fear, I was full of fear, wonder, responsibility comes rushing in. They were like that. They were human beings. Joseph and Mary, all that wrapped up. And on top of that, knowing this was not just an ordinary son being born. This was God Himself. This is where God continues to show up for us in our pain, and our fears, and our confusion, in our grief, and in our loss and uncertainty. I don't know what hardships you're facing today or every once of pain that you are feeling, but I assure you, God does, and He knows. He is there going to bring peace and calm to your heart, peace that defies your circumstances. And speaking of circumstances, peace defies our circumstances. You may be thinking right now, well, that's great for you, it sounds nice, but you don't know how much it hurts. You're right, I can only imagine how awful it must be for some of you. And I can only agree with you that sometimes
1: it seems so unfair. But let me encourage you, the peace is there that's deeper.
0: There's a peace that will defy your circumstances. In face of all that you're feeling and have gone through, God's peace really doesn't make sense to us, but it's real and it's healing. It will guard your heart from continuing wounds and will protect your mind from the onslaught of anxiety and worry. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4 through 7. Look what Paul says Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, Rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. He continues on, and, listen, the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Simply focusing in on what matters most. Focusing on the greatest gift that was ever given to humanity. Remember what Christmas is truly all about. Beyond the decorations and the lights and the sails and all those things. The reason we can celebrate Christmas is because of Christ. And let me encourage all of us today that no matter what we're facing, this process of getting this peace always begins with us turning to God. Bringing our hurts, our questions, our doubts, and our whys and our needs to Him. Like it says in Philippians, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication or petition with
1: thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. Thanksgiving. The other Sunday
0: we sang, Count your many blessings, see what God has done. I've heard it said instead of wishing for the things I want to have I need to start by giving thanks for everything I do have. And no matter what happens who becomes president who's in charge of congress what happens with covid there is one thing dearly beloved I said it last week and it bears repeating right now nothing nothing no power of hell or scheme of hell can rob us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. Nothing can take our salvation. I don't pretend to understand it all, but there's power in prayer. And there's transformation that grows from gratitude. It's not the power of giving what we want or convincing God to see things our way. The power of prayer happens in this experience of peace as our perspective changes and finds an understanding that God is with us, an acknowledgment and acceptance that he's got this, that he can be trusted. He is enough. I'm going to say something that I wouldn't be surprised to get a lot of amens. I'm kind of hard-headed. All right, there you go. That's one awesome person out there. And sometimes God has to do some things to really get my attention. And it, I can... <laughs> I can <laughs> we need to put microphones out here so I can going hear all the remarks. Uh, he has to do things to get my attention. And it's really a, reminding me that, Tim, do you trust me? I mean, especially in our culture and context that we find ourselves today. Who can we really trust?
1: You turn on the news. I don't care who you're watching. Can you trust them? Who can you trust? You can trust God. He will never let you down. He always keeps His
0: promises. And God's constantly bringing situations and circumstances into my life to teach me that lesson. In fact, you go through the entire Bible and look at everything that's written, all the stories you read about, all the letters Paul wrote to different churches. It
1: really comes down to that one thing. Trust God. That's easy to say. But it's something to live it out.
0: And lastly, peace is a person. It all comes back to a person. Peace is a person. Peace is, person. Peace is Jesus. And Heard me read this to the children just a minute ago because long before He came to earth, Isaiah the prophet called Jesus the Prince of Peace. Isaiah 9, verses 6 and 7, For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on His shoulders. And His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There will be no end to the increase of His government, or of peace, on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. You know, you look at that text. The Jewish people, I have to say, the Jewish people know more about the Old Testament than I do. They, they learn this. They memorize it back then even now today. And this does have political sounding tones to it, doesn't it? This Isaiah passage I just read. The Jews wanted their political freedom independence. They, they were eager to see a political Messiah. More importantly, there are tones of the completion of God's work, of Christ's work and His eventual establishment of God's kingdom. That's what they were looking for. That's the reason they, they heralded Him into Jerusalem. This guy has raised people from the dead. This guy has performed all these miracles. Surely he's going to lead us out of the oppression of the Roman government. You look at that, and just a few days later, they're yelling to crucify him because he was going to do that, but not in the way they expected. But most of all in this passage in Isaiah, we can see that this child is born. This son is given to us who will bring the power and rule of His peace into our personal lives because He brings peace between you and God. Listen to me very carefully. Just like that puzzle piece illustrated. You know, you make a puzzle, where's the first part you start on? We use it on the outside, right? Get the frame. Much easier to do that than start working on the inside from the outside in. That's the problem with us. A lot of times we see a problem with our lives or something we're going through. We're concentrating on the outside. And we put on these great images and facades on people. How you doing? I'm doing great. Meanwhile, on the inside, you're just tore up. And perhaps this Christmas, you know what Christmas is all about. And you hear these messages of peace and joy and love. And you say, man, I, I know it's real. I just want some of it.
1: We have to start from the inside. And that's what Jesus does. Because if you work on the really, really outside stuff, this de
0: horizontal stuff, you'll never experience peace. Why do you think people in Hollywood are all messed up? They think they have enough money, enough fame, they'll have that peace, that satisfaction. They don't find it, do they? They turn to the alcohol, they turn to the drugs, whatever this or thing that the devil tempts them with, and they fall down even a deeper hole. Instead of looking up and saying, I need peace with my creator. See? Until you have peace with your Creator, with God, you can never have peace on a horizontal level. He's the embodiment. Jesus is the embodiment of shalom, that wholeness that we find in relationship with Him.
1: That's where the peace of Christmas always is. It's found in Jesus. So before we look at anything else,
0: we have to look at ourselves in the mirror And that's God to look in our hearts. How is our relationship to Him through His Son? Are we truly letting Him work on the inside? And I must warn
1: you, when you do that, God begins the work it's going to hurt. He's going to start trimming here and there. But He does it with a loving, tender hand
0: because He's transforming us into the image of His Son. Processes we call sanctification. Where each day we look more and more and more like Jesus. It's hard for us. We need Him. We need the Holy Spirit. Because we live in a world that goes totally opposite. That contradicts
1: any biblical standard or teaching. Look at the news. Look what's going on. It's because we've turned our back as a country upon God in my opinion. We
0: throw them out of schools. Well, ladies, you can't really throw God out of any place. You can ignore Him, but God's everywhere. You can never escape His presence. Ever think about that? That's wonderful, right? Yeah, God's everywhere. Yeah, but that means He sees everything that you do, even when you think you're alone and secret in the dark. Uh Uh-oh. That's a whole different story. But Jesus is God who came to be with us,
1: to offer us this peace that passes All understanding. I believe all of us, especially in this year, everything that's going on politically,
0: everything going on with the COVID-19, all the stuff happening around us, we need that peace. And He offers us this peace every Advent, every day of our lives, always. It's found in Matthew 11, Verses 28-30. through These are the words of Jesus. And this is the invitation that He extends to you this morning and to me. Come to me, He says, all who are weary and heavy laden. Are you weary? Are you heavy laden with doubts and questions? You feel like you just, I just
1: can't take the next step. I'm so scared and concerned. Well, I know exactly how you feel. I don't know what's going to happen in the future, but I know the one who holds
0: the future in his hand. He says, when you come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He doesn't say clean yourself up. He says, just come to me as you are. Lay it down. Give it to me. I will give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, he says, and my burden is light. If that's not an offer of peace, I don't know what is. Let those words just wash over you. And then the second week of Advent, the season of expectation, the season of arrival, and all the stuff that Christmas brings up, Let me encourage you to look for the Prince of Peace, even in the midst of the storms and the wind and the rain and everything that comes
1: along with it. The devil, our enemy, likes us to get busy looking at everything, everything that doesn't matter.
0: Stay focused on Jesus. He's walked a mile in your shoes, He knows what it's like, He did it perfectly. He blazed the trail before us. And now he sits at the right hand of God. Say, come on, look on me. Trust me. Come to me. Come on, come to me. Trust me. Jesus is not asking you to do anything that he hasn't done himself.
1: He loved his enemies, he blessed those. Can you imagine? Here he is hanging on a cross.
0: Beaten beyond recognition. The physical pain must have been excruciating. much less the spiritual that was happening. And yet, when those religious leaders passed before him, what did he say? You wait till I get down off here? No, what did he say? Father, forgive them, for
1: they do not know what they're doing. If that's not blessing those who persecute you, I don't know what is.
0: I want to encourage us to come and worship Him like the shepherds. Even when we find ourselves in the darkness or the storms. Let me remind us to, to come to Him because He is here. Because He is here, the Prince of Peace is here. And I pray that Jesus will be your peace this week, the coming weeks and months ahead of us. Guarding your soul with peace. Filling your spirit with the wholeness of shalom. Ruling as the prince of peace in your hearts. There's no secret. There's no secret formula or anything secret you have to do to experience true peace. It all
1: comes down to Jesus. But here it is. It's a gift. It's completely up to you. You can take it. Kneel before Him as I trust you. Perhaps you've never given your life to Christ. So I encourage you
0: that day, would you just simply admit to Him. You're not going to tell Him anything He doesn't know already. And midst of what He knows, He's still calling to you in this moment. And just confess, agree with Him. Yes, I've broken your laws. I want to experience the peace that you offer Jesus. Come into my life and rule over my life as the Prince of Peace. Perhaps you've never done. That. I invite you to do that today. Perhaps so many other things are robbing you. You've you've lost track. You've we've everything happening in this year. We've kind of Christmas is here, and we've forgotten what the real meaning of Christmas is all about. Hence, why this series is called "We Discover Christmas." Maybe you need to go across the aisle and pray with a brother or sister. Maybe you need to come down as a family. I don't, Whatever God's leading you to do, or perhaps He's calling you to join us here and be part of this body,
1: whatever it is, dearly beloved, don't let this moment pass you by. It occurred to me the other day Of everything I have, God's blessed me with. My wife, my daughters, my two grandchildren, able to pastor
0: this church, seminary, all these things that God has blessed me with there's one thing that's more precious than everything. My relation with Him, of course, my
1: salvation. It's time. Because I only have so much of it. Why do you think companies give you so much per hour?
0: Because time is precious. Once you spend it, it's gone. You can't get it back.
1: Think about that. With every heartbeat, with every breath that we we draw, we're using up our time.
0: Doctors can help us. Praise God for the medical uh, knowledge He's given us. But there is a number,
1: and only God knows that number. When your time is up, your time is up. Don't wait the next week. Do
0: not wait another moment. If God is speaking to your heart in this moment, Please, even if you're watching this via the internet, don't just because you're not here physically, don't not
1: let this moment pass by without doing business with God and taking care of it. And I'm telling you,
0: your life will never be the same. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time and this moment we have together. We thank you for the gift of your Son, and the peace that He brings to us. Even though we've broken Your law and sins against You, that He would pay the price for our sin. Your Word says, for the wages of sin is death. But Father, because of Him laying His life down willingly,
1: He has established peace between us and You we can come to you as we are now.
0: Lifting our petitions, our requests to you with thanksgiving, dear God, because we're so thankful for who you are, what you have done, and what you currently are doing, what you promise
1: to do in the future. Father, I I ask that you grant us the courage that we need to step up and to step out. And to put our full trust in you. Continue to move among us. May your spirit have his way. In your name we pray. Amen. Just stand with me, please.